I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast where I meet other people with famous family members and discuss how that has affected their journeys through life. My guest today is actress, radio DJ and voiceover artist Sophie Corbett. What did your dad do? And we go, oh, he's a comedian. And they go, do, do we, we know him? And we go, well, yes, you might. And then what's his name? And then you go, um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Corbett. Sophie has been in the entertainment industry since she was a child and has been one of the UK's leading voiceover artists for 23 years, doing adverts for brands as diverse as L'Oreal, Ford and Carte d'Or. My dad used to come and see me at my gigs with his cloth cap on, kind of hiding in the back. Sophie is also a fashion designer and owns a boutique in Brighton, which very relevantly has the name Four Candles. Sophie is the daughter of the late comedian, actor, writer and broadcaster Ronnie Corbett CBE. My dad was an amazing cook as well. He, he won against Gordon Ramsay 4-1 to one for his crab linguine. Ronnie came to prominence in 60s satirical comedy show The Frost Report and was best known for his work with comedy partner Ronnie Barker and their sketch show The Two Ronnies ran for 16 years on BBC One. In later years, Ronnie had a career resurgence with appearances on Have I Got News For You and Would I Lie To You and an incredible performance as a hyper-realised version of himself in Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's sitcom Extras. Ricky's asked me to do a sketch about being in a loo taking drugs. And then he, he said, Moira Stewart's my drug dealer. And Mum said, you've got to do it. I mentioned that the name of Sophie's boutique is relevantly called Four Candles because it was named after one of, if not the most famous sketch from the two Ronnies. So, hello, Sophie. Hello. I'm not even going to pretend that I didn't read that entire Man, intro that out. And it, took, and it took five different goes. But uh, that's because your dad has done so much stuff. Would he have been happy with that intro, do you think? I think he'd have been very happy. I think he might have told you to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Well, you, you were fast. There are that professionals. Was... <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, I think the speed comes from the fact there's just uh, too much stuff, and I was unwilling to edit. It's not. Yes, it's it's cool. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And in terms of your own intro, oh, is yeah. there anything I missed out? No, I think that's absolutely fine. You're, you're happy <laughs> I'm with not going to make you do it again, am I? No. <laughs> no. I mean, this is just this is just bullying now. You're, you're giving me the speed. <laughs> you're telling me what your dad would have said. You, no, sorry, you did ask, and he would have said that's brilliant, but you were going fast, and yeah. you'll hear that back and go, "Wow, that was good I think and quick." More likely, I'll hear it back and redo it. I think, cause, <laughs> uh, and then it'll be the slowest thing, and everyone will be saying, oh, "What is she talking about?" Um, I mentioned your boutique, Four Candles. Tell us a little bit about that for anyone who's not been. Yes. Uh, so four candles. Uh, the nicest thing someone said was like, they said, oh, it's like a tiny liberties, which Ooh. I thought I'll take that. But we actually, so it was, we had it for five years in a beautiful off the beaten track mm-hmm. building in Brighton. But we shut it this summer and we're now taking it on tour. So we do pop up, which oh. we've, if we're finding is working much better for us because of 
me doing voiceovers and radio and my business partner works three days with Brian Eno, it just means that we've got a bit of freedom to then do pop-up when we feel like it and go where people want to spend money rather than sit there waiting and if, if it's you know I mean. if it's a, a smaller version of Liberty, so what what does it sell? Kind of uh, can, scented candles, perfumes, oh my, the, haberdashery. The best scented candles. Yeah. I'm I'm really fussy. Okay. Um, I love smells. Um, so I get them from France. Um, but yeah, everything from polished filing cabinets to sheepskins to cow hides to perfumes to aftershave to leather to clothing to lighting to wow. it's a bit of everything. Yeah. That, I mean, I love gear. I love beautiful things mm-hmm. from my mum and my dad both kind of, you know, my dad was all about the cloth and the colour and my mum too. So I've kind of grown up with a love of knowing when something's made beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and dad actually said to me years ago, you should have a you know, shop because I, I, I can source anything. So I kind of can walk down a street and I clock everything. <laughs> Right, <laughs> I'm a professional as it, shopper. As as, so, inspi- as inspirational, literally just to to buy inspiration. To sell on, what I like, what I don't. I mean, just I've always been like that. You mm. know, I can spot stuff where people go. This is just I can't see anything. I see everything. Yeah, it's just what I. So, so then I thought, well, okay, then I'm going to open a shop, and I love it because I travel with my business partner. We go to Marrakesh, Copenhagen, Paris, and we have a giggle. Yeah, and we design stuff too, so it's fun. And I didn't mention her in the intro, but you've just mentioned her. Your mum was also a very successful West End, yeah, leading lady, leading lady. Yeah, she was. So tell her, tell us a bit about her. Uh, so mum and dad met in Danny Larue's club, mm-hmm. and um, back in the day, my mum was a leading lady, and so she was leading lady for Tommy Trinder, Max Wall, the Crazy Gang. Um, so yeah, so she was incredible. She still is incredible. Um, most amazing singing voice, uh, an amazing, beautiful woman, to be quite honest with you. She's 86 now. And we went to see Judy, the movie, um, last weekend and came out singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, so, yeah, my mum, she gave up. She had uh, three babies. Um, Andrew, mum and dad's first boy, didn't make it. He had a hole right. in the heart and his heart on the wrong side. And then she had Emma and then she had me. And... I think it it was such a so hard losing Andrew obviously mm. that when she had the two of us she just didn't really want to leave us and so she kind of gave up she would she was she always told me to keep my finger in the pie so hence when I had children I've I've kept slightly working because once you step right out you can lose your nerve mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but when mum and dad actually met you know they were equally successful if mum mum might have actually been a tad more su- successful yeah. But also in her pulling back and letting dad flourish because dad suddenly, his career suddenly took off. And then we, you know, we were, I was like two or three when it really started happening. Um, Mum sat back and I do think that's kind of been able to make Emma Emma and me sane. Right. Because if you have two successful parents, you know, you need somebody at home, don't you? Yes. You know, so she, thank you, you know, she says she doesn't regret it. I was going to say, so you don't think there was ever any resentment there towards no. towards your dad for not, oh push, my God, not pushing no. her to No, and on. he was the most amazing man. He was the most amazing husband Yeah, and dad. You know, he was selfless when it came to us a lot. Um, we were really important to him yeah. and we felt it, which is rare. I think it's, I, I, the reason I ask is because I actually think it's rare for that kind of situation where at some point the person who gave everything up and and was at home looking after the kids doesn't say, you know, that's because, you know, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that. So the fact that it was very... Yeah, uh, it was, she got it. Yeah. You know, and uh, 
we're all best mates, you know. So, and you don't get that, do you? You know, you know now we're. She does not regret it. She just said to me, "If you can keep your finger in the pie, yeah. so that if someone asks you to do something, you don't think you're going to have a heart attack through nerves. You know, you've always keep keep it rocking a bit. Yeah. But um, and I have, but you know, it was different. Dad was really, really, really busy, and we just went everywhere with him, and that was only possible because Mum mm-hmm. could pack a van and make anywhere a home. Yeah. Uh, so I asked this question of all of our guests. How did you feel when we approached you about coming on this podcast about the the topic and is it something you find easy to talk about? Um, well, I said yes, didn't I? <laughs> you did. Um, so, you did. To, yeah, no. Um, had we it, didn't force you. No, you didn't force me. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm really used to speaking in front of mics, obviously through voiceovers. Mm. Uh, if you'd asked me uh, a year after I lost dad, I wouldn't have been able to talk about it. Um, I'm only now being able to talk about it without um, welling up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm incredibly proud of him. Um, so when you ask me, I just kind of... And also, I'm, I've am i got my own YouTube channel now. So I get... When where, tra- where can people find you on YouTube? Tell us so a bit about talk. it. It's called So Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's So Talk, Sophie Corbett, you'll find me. Um, I've done seven episodes on the menopause. Um, I've, I've got four episodes out on anxiety. I'm launching another two. It's just about talking. I feel like people need to talk. I get worried with all the machines around that people aren't talking. There's people that are lonely. And there's so many people struggling with different things. I, I just don't want anyone to feel alone, to be honest. And so I think it's about talking. Um, so that's what I'm doing. So so when you ask me, I also know how difficult it is to get people to trust you yeah. or to come on board and give you a helping hand. Mm-hmm. So Barn- I'm here, Barnaby. <laughs> I'm here to talk. So it it all kind of sat that I, I was very willing to come and talk about yeah. my upbringing with my dad, who I miss hugely. And... Uh, felt really blessed to have had. Yeah, and um, you touched on, uh, you know, how how regularly you are in front of microphones because your job is a voiceover artist. Yeah. You've got a very distinctive voice. Yeah. And obviously coming from a family of uh, performers, yeah. I'm intrigued to know kind of how much you think that was nature, how much was nurture. Did uh, your mum and dad kind of help you towards... Talking properly. I don't know whether it's talking properly or towards having a voice that you could then use as a career. No, and, and... I think I'm just bought, you know, we've all, my dad had a, quite a deep voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, I was corrected if I went but, but, butter and not butter. Yeah. yeah. And I still do that to my kids, you know, so kind of. Do they get embarrassed when you do it in front of elocution. their friends? Elocution. <laughs> oh, my mum did that. Well, kind of. But you know what? I I love my kids' friends really dearly. And I used to say, you know, they can come and stay the night and I'll cook them dinner and I'll drop you to parties and I'll pick you up. But if you're doing something wrong, I'll correct you too. So uh, <laughs> that, you know, I won't. Yeah. So no. Yeah. They might roll their eyes, but I assume they never not did. when they get out of adolescence, they get it. Yeah. You know, Dylan yeah. is 22 now. Yeah. And I assume they never did anything more wrong than dropping a consonant here or there. That's, so it and wasn't, that's not that so big a deal, a is it? Of course it's not. <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say that you're our first guest who's a uh, famous family member could be described as a national treasure. Um, and I wondered uh, what it was like growing up with a dad who basically everybody adored so much, and, and yeah. almost as much as as you, probably, you know, yeah, if that's that, possible. Well, yeah, no, yeah, no, probably not. But um, uh, it was fine. You know, I mean, it's all I knew. So people would say, oh, what's it like having a dad as Ronnie Corbett? We used to keep it really private, to be honest. Dad was also a really private man, so... Mm. Not everybody knew, but when people did find out, they'd say, oh, what's it like? And I'd say, well, what's it like? What's your dad do? 
what's it like having a dad that's an accountant? Yeah. You know, he was my dad. So it was, was it? an amazing, lucky, privileged upbringing, I'm sure, because yeah. we we didn't go without. Dad was really, really um, tight on us not being flash or ever wanting us to be that. So we were never that. Um, or, you know, it was always watched and judged, you know, yeah. what we could have and what we couldn't have. But was that, we, we was were that really frustrating lucky. sometimes as a kid at all? No. I felt really blessed, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I didn't go without. Um, so what were they? So no, they, I, I just I just didn't know any other way. I mean, as I grew up and left home, I could see then that I had to queue for stuff. Didn't like that. Right. No, do you know what I mean? And so I had been used to a certain... You'd, because you'd be able to get into anything because... Yeah, we didn't yeah. queue. I don't like... I, still, I hate queuing. <laughs> I don't love anyone enough to queue. I've decided. I've just... I've just... I hate queuing, but yeah. I'm now wondering whether there's something deep in my in my upbringing. Like maybe I got into places and didn't realise why I was maybe getting in so quickly. Maybe you did. You know what I mean? So you just go. You don't. It's te- I mean, I, mean, I don't like queuing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so, what was the question again? The, Finally, uh, I've uh, gone off. It's all right. No, no. It was. Uh, well, it started with what was it, what was it like growing up with a national treasure as a, as oh, a father? Oh yeah. Basically. It was yeah, really lucky. I mean, I as he got old, when he got older and a bit poorly, mm. I got quite possessive then mm. and I said to him you know you need to not do something you know everybody wanted him yeah or a bit of him um and I was like no now now get really selfish because we want you yeah that's quite a, a common theme among some of our guests actually is that mm. um they've never had resentment towards their famous family member but sometimes they've had some slight issues with I, they haven't felt that they've got enough t- had enough time mm. with them because they felt they've had to give time to mm. so many other people. As I well. mean, we were really lucky. We are lucky. I mean, uh, sometimes our house would be like the Sopranos. I mean, we don't keep what we feel in. We okay. say it. Yeah. So we, in that way, we were really lucky to be able to say, no, 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 no. You're not going. Please don't go there. Hang with me. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. you, you know, and, and Dad got it. But that's the only time I've ever felt when I could feel Dad was getting older and I, and then I could feel he wasn't feeling a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that's the only time in my life I ever felt like, no, can you all go away now? Mm. This is where we need to, you know. Was, were they were they easy easy conversations to have or uh, with my dad? With your dad or either other or even other people who yeah, were around? I didn't have it with other people. It actually just happened naturally. Mm. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. he suddenly thought, "I've no, I've 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 done my bit of." Galavanti, or, or you know, yeah. he was tired. He was tired of of performing for other people, or being or being there for other people rather than those closest to him. Yeah, that's when he became poorly. Yeah, you know, he he didn't feel a hundred percent before they diagnosed him with motor neurons. So he became poorly. So that all kind of happened at the same time. But that's the only time in my life I have ever felt possessive about him. Yeah, because other than that, we'd kind of be if. You know, back in the day, we'd be going out with him. And, and, and as you say, he was adored. So all you got was people going, hi, Ronnie. You know, they, it was nothing. It was always positive. Yeah. So it was, a, you know, it always felt very up and buoyant. So you can't really be cross with that, can you? No. And particularly then as a child, I'm interested to know, because that I think to, to most people, that's quite an abnormal thought, the idea that you'd be out with your dad and mm. people are stopping you all the time. Do you remember how it felt? Or whether that was just was so normal mm. to you that it was... We had quite good tricks up our sleeve, actually. He'd go bunny, bunny, bunny. And that kind of meant... I don't know where the bunny came from. But that would mean getting deep deep in conversation with me so people won't butt in. Oh, wow. 
right? So then you suddenly start looking and I'd be going, really, really? Well, why, why, why? And he'd be going, well, I don't know because that's... And we'd look like we're really intensely in conversation and people don't butt in. Yeah. So we had... Bunny. ...ways of doing it so that we'd all start talking very seriously. Yeah. And, and then sometimes and people... people won't wait. No, no, they won't. They won't. They'd let you be. So they won't butt in, but also they presumably they won't wait or it allowed you to walk away yeah, from the situation. Yeah, we just looked like we weren't even... You know, we were talking very deeply oh to not God. interrupt. Bunny. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm no, now it gonna... wasn't bunny. It was rabbit. Rabbit. It was rabbit. Okay. So it was rabbit, rabbit. And we go, okay. And then we just all oh, go. Oh, well, that makes more sense yeah, because rabbit, rabbit, rabbit thank is... Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, 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 yeah yes, okay. exactly. Rabbit, rabbit. Chaz, and, Chaz right. and Dave Chaz and before Dave. Chaz and Dave. Yeah. Um, uh, just wondering, um, how have people treated you, if they have, uh, treated you differently because of your father's fame down the years? Mm. Have you got any kind of specific examples or... Well, don't you... Don't you... Do you, you know... Uh, People are very I, obvious when they're doing that, don't you think? I think from my from my experience, it was always more in my head than actually mm. kind of in reality. I would always fear that by saying, specifically in, in professional situations, mm. I would feel that if I was interviewing for something, and uh, I remember one particular example where I was interviewing for a job in comedy, I think as a researcher or something, and I had got that interview because my stepdad, Angus, had known someone who'd seen my CV and got me in. So in the interview then, the person interviewing me said, so um, who's your stepdad? And I was like, well, you know the answer to this question. Yeah. Uh, and you're making me feel incredibly anxious about it. And I, uh, and I was just like, oh, I, I actually remember <laughs> trying basically not to say. No, it's terrible. Uh, which was a mistake as well. But uh, um, so in that instance, I guess I was being treated differently because that person, I guess, was testing me on... Yeah. that side of how open and willing I'd be to talk about that side of my life. But in terms of other things where, you know, I used to think a lot, I wonder if people are friends with me because I live in a big house and we have a tennis court. But the yeah. reality is probably it was way more in my head than because I was a kid than the truth, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're a kid, um, you know, you're, yeah, you, you can't, well, what should I think? When I was a kid... Did I think people like me just be... Well, no, I don't think I did. I think auditions were hard to start with. Mm. Um, because you followed into you followed into acting, didn't you? That was... Singing and dancing singing and, dancing. and acting mm. and all that malarkey, yeah. And I, and I felt sometimes that you had to double prove yourself. Um, and, they, and then when you start auditioning when you're 16 or 17 you're like any other 16 or 17 year old you know you're not you know so i felt sometimes you had to double prove yourself mm. um and we've had people on we've had people on the show who've actually changed their names I did. to try and get is, i did oh, okay. i did and then um <laughs> They, the, you know, I mean, it makes me laugh. I, it was like a country and western singer now. So my mum gave up, didn't she, for me right. and my sister. Mm -hmm. So I thought her maiden name was Hart. And mum always wanted to call me Daisy. And dad said, I'm really not having a girl called Daisy. So I was being, I thought for my mum, I'm going to show her. Mm -hmm. So I called myself Daisy Hart. Yeah. But then I'd be in auditions for cats and things like that. And they go, Daisy Hart. And I could be like looking around going, where? And I go, oh my God, it's me. <laughs> and then mum said, you know what? It's so generous of you and I'm so touched. But you know what? Your dad's worked bloody hard for his name. Yeah. So so I went, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go back to Sophie Corbett. So how how long was Daisy Hart alive? Not very long. <laughs> it was One funny. audition where you forgot your own name. Yeah, they were calling me and I was like not listening. No, I did it for like six months. And then I, and then I thought, you know what? Actually, he has worked really hard and I am so his daughter. Yeah. You know, um... So, no, and I think people sometimes who, I mean, again, we're really shy about it. We always go, they go, what did you, 
are you, you know, something comes up about being in the theatre and then they'll say, oh, what did your dad do? And we go, oh, he's a comedian. And they go, do, do we, we know him? And we'll go, well, yes, you might. And then what's his name? And then you go, um, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie Corbett. Mm. And my mum does it. We all do it. Yeah. Because it's just something's private, isn't it? But we're in, it's just a mixed thing. But I think that people who are friends of you, with you just because of who somebody in your family is, make it very obvious. Yeah. There's only a few people that will, you know, back in the day would come up and go, how's your dad? You know, and I, and I just want to go, mum's fine, thank you. Yeah. So they, they, it's not subtle. No. And, and friends, great friends and friends just aren't like that, are they? I think... Um well, I imagine if you're anything similar to me or some of the people I've spoken to, you have a heightened awareness of trust and yeah, how easy it is to let people in. And therefore, you know, the people who get through those filters, yeah. you, you know, are, are, are true and mates real friends. And, and yeah, you don't thank, have to worry about that kind of thank stuff. Thank God for them. Uh, you've talked, I've seen you've talked quite a lot about your dad being your hero. And that's a really common theme with people mm. that we've interviewed here and that they're famous family members, as well as their other family members being heroes of theirs and idols. Yeah. I wonder if, if, you know, just briefly you could tell us why exactly he was like a hero to you. Well, number one, because he was such an amazing... Well, I look at it now and I just... I did a uh, film for The One Show and they asked me to do a film about growing up with Dad when he was with me still. Um, us, with us. And... Uh, I, and they sent me all the kind of DVDs of the other people's films and I couldn't believe how sad most of them were, to be honest, because most of their dads didn't live with them anymore. Um, it is really rare to have, number one, somebody who's so successful in the business, still with the wife they were with for 60 years, mm. still being, you know, making all the bread we ate. You know, he ate, he baked all the bread in the house. You know, I just look at it and I just think he was my hero because... To be, work that hard, be that successful, but we've still felt that he was totally in our lives, is a pretty remarkable man, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he is my hero for so many different ways. I mean, that's, um, you know, take away the show business element, and that's just not very many men at all. <laughs> it really isn't. It's a really incredible role it re- model. It's an incredible role model, and my kids, you know, look. I mean, I mean my youngest said, he's 14, and he said, you know what... You know, the thing about Papa was he gave 100% to everything he did. So if he was being funny, he'd be funny 100%. If he was being a dad, he'd be 100% a dad. And if he was being a Papa, he'd be 100% a Papa. And that's what he was like. Yeah. So, we, you know, I sit here and I go, Goosey, and this is when I could well up. Is and, and that's the hole that's been left, mm. you know, because, yeah, he was my hero for that reason. Because now I'm, you know, the age I am and... I see friends of mine that are married or not married or divorced or something. You know, I just think, lucky, lucky. Uh, Just, uh, you know, as a man on the flip side, I'd say also on behalf of your children and his grandchildren, that's quite something to live up to as a a man. It's quite quite something to have to aspire to. It really is. And be, be, you know, being a kid, you've got, you've had, you know, you've had it. It it is, it is something to live up to because... All we ever want is for our kids or me to fit my... I wanted my dad to be proud of me. You know, I'm you, you the same. Mm. We're all the same. All we want is for our adult people in our life to go, well done. Yeah. I'm really, really proud of you. Mm. And actually, I tell my kids that all the time. Um, because at, 
in life also, it's not about, I mean, how amazing if you become successful, but it's talent, it's timing, it's luck, it's all those things. And, and I'm sure you know now it's not about that. It's about being a decent human being, actually, is the best thing you can possibly be. And then hopefully earn a buck because it makes your life a bit easier. Yeah. But yes, it is difficult to live in those footsteps, but... You'd rather I, it be that way than, than not have anyone to, to aspire look up to. to. Yeah. yeah, most probably. Um, but yeah, just the main part of it to me that's incredible, and you've touched on it, is, is that he had so many opportunities to, to use work or his success or busyness or anything as an excuse to not be present, but yeah. to see how important his presence was in his, you know, to his his relationship, to his yeah. children is, yeah. is huge. That's, huge, yeah. He once said to me, you've got to be selfish in life, Sophie, but you've got to take your family with you. Yeah, otherwise don't have, you know, don't choose to have a family. I, you know, even my, you know, lots of my friends who are, have made decisions to have families and then trying to use excuses not oh, to see them. It makes me so cross yeah. because you don't understand what you're doing to the kids. Mm. You know, not being there for your kids you know it's a huge responsibility yeah. we'll all get it wrong somewhere along the line you know I tr- I'm sure I make mistakes um, but I get re- I get really upset when I see that in life and uh, you know they are children they're just incredible and they and they need the attention that but I was very lucky. Yeah. Uh, the good news is that uh, podcasts about parenting are incredibly popular right now. So uh, the they? fact that we've just talked about parenting for, yeah, I've uh, when I was working uh, an ad company recently, uh, brands were coming to us saying, look, pod- uh, parenting podcasts are the most popular podcasts at the moment. We need okay. To, we need to do them. Let's so, start one. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's, put, front, it, yeah. let's put front and centre how much we talked to Sophie Corbett about our views on parenting. Um, just yeah. to go back to uh, what it was like for you as a kid a little bit, um, I saw you talk about uh, some memories about what it was like when the two Ronnies was a, was at its peak. Were you about about thirteen when it's either when it started or when it was on? Yeah, I, I no, saw you I was, talk about that sometime. Yeah, no, we used to go and watch it in the studio with our cushions because the seats were so uncomfortable. Um, and I was a kid, yeah, so I was little. I, w- I wouldn't go when I was little, little. I always wanted to. Yeah, I never wanted to be left behind. I was actually talking this morning. I was once in the car, and this is so funny. They were going out somewhere with my dad's younger sister Maggie. I can't remember, somewhere. She was from Florida. She lived in Florida. They were going out. I got myself in my party dress and my paint and shoes on the wrong feet, I think. And I had a handbag with a tissue in it and I'd done my hair myself. And I was about four and a half and I was sitting in the back of the car. I never really wanted to be left behind. (laughs) That's the hardest bit I found, actually, when they were filming at night and I was too little to go. Mm. Um, But yeah, we used to go to studios. But I can't really remember what age. It was probably from 11. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I just wonder what it, what it was like um, Maybe for you at school specifically and, and around other children who can be cruel. Mm. Uh, you know, having your dad on TV every week in one of the most viewed mm. shows and, yeah. whether, and whether there were moments that that was difficult. Because I think to the outside world... That seems like it would be the coolest thing, but I don't think it necessarily no. breeds that. No. I mean, I think I think I was most probably lucky in the way I went to a school in Croydon for a few years. We jump, if Dad did panto or summer season, we'd go with him. Mm-hmm. So we went to different schools for a small amount of time, um, which I found easier than my sister did. Most yeah, that probably. sounds difficult. That would, that would have been difficult for me. Yeah, it was difficult for my sister. A bit harder for her than me. But see, I like people, mm. so I don't mind that. Um, and so I, we went to a school. Then we went to Australia for a year and a half because they filmed the two Ronnies in Australia um, for a year. They did a whole, which actually they're showing this Christmas in this country, oh. because I believe it's fifty years to the two Ronnies starting right. um, this Christmas. So they're going to show the Australian series. So we were in Australia for a year and a half. So no one really bullied us there. Right. And then we came back, and I went straight to Bally School, okay. which I think might have made it a bit easier. Because it's all about the theatre. I was never really bullied. Okay. And I don't think my sister was bullied, actually, which is lucky. But she just dealt with it in a different way because of her, how her personality took that part of her life. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she's now a counsellor and uh, yeah. um, she's amazing at it. Um, you I, was, you... I was more, actually, the first college I went to, I was more bullied at and I left. Okay. Uh, about about because of that side of your life, I felt it. Yeah, I felt I was pu- being punished before they knew who I was, and actually because I'd been brought up to be humble, you know, and mm. you know, my dad was really grounded. His Scots roots never left, and we, and we've all got those. So I was, you know, and it's all about being kind. You know, it's being. So I went in, and they wanted to slap me down. Yeah, but they hadn't realised I. I actually didn't need slapping down. I wasn't there. <laughs> so, yeah, they, so they actually made me never want to ever hit the stage ever again. And uh, what, I, age, what age were you about when that happened? Like 15, 17. 16? Right. And do you think that was envy, bitterness and envy and jealousy from them? Well, you know, when you... I, th- I don't know. It, it really shocked me because I'd been at ballet school for like seven years and had never had any of it. We were like a family. Um and it was that tough kind of love. It was so tough that it was horrific. 
And I've never, ever, I was like, I felt like thinking, who are you getting me wear ready for? Because choreographers, directors, I've never met anybody who treated me anything like that, yeah. you know, in, in the business. So it was, it, that was a terrible experience. And I left after a year and joined a rock band as a okay. singer, which was my kind of rebelliousness to go, I don't, they really knocked my confidence. Yeah. And it took me three, four years to get it back. What was your band called? The first band was called The Chase and my second one was called Oceana. We were on Young, Gifted and Broke. And we, oh God, it was, I love my band days. In fact, my, um, we're going back into the studio. Uh, You're reforming? <laughs> yeah, we are. We're reforming. And I'm really, I know, I'm, I can't wait. It's hilarious. I can't wait to see the boys. It was me and four boys and we just had so much fun. And so you rebelled by getting into rock bands. but was, was that... I wasn't really rebelling. No. My dad used to come and see me at my gigs with his cloth cap on, kind of hiding in the back to support yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but it's what I needed to do, actually, at the time. You know, and I loved it. I love singing. I think singing is a great therapy. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so as we kind of touched on, you got into the show business, performing, mm. entertaining, singing, mm. etc. Um, do you think that's something that you would have done anyway like do you think you would that whether you had you know celebrity parents performing parents anyway or was it something because you idolized mm. your father that happened to you it was a, a a chosen path because of what you saw no idea i don't know i mean my mum is as you know i mean i'm surrounded by it yeah i'm surrounded by it so i really couldn't tell you it's all i ever wanted to do it's all I, I know. I felt comfortable. I think it's what I know, isn't it? Sitting in in TV studios is kind of mm. made me feel comfortable. Yeah. But my sister's the opposite. She hates being on having her photograph taken. You never see Emma anywhere. Mm. She always goes, "Go and speak for me. <laughs> Go and speak for me." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. You know, so she's not comfortable in it. Where I am so comfortable. It can go so either I, way. It's interesting. Are yeah. you old, are you the older sister? No, I'm younger. Okay. I'm the youngest. Yeah. See that seems that seems interesting to me naturally because you also then had someone to aspire to, you know, your sister who's older mm. than you who had completely railed against yeah. that side of things. But I look at her now. I've actually started doing a course on counselling. I'm doing a counselling course. So I'm going back to school, not to be a count for me to be a counsellor, but because I think when I interview people and I talk, the more knowledge I've got and the better language around subjects, the better. But I'm that's because I watch my sister do amazing work. Yeah. So I do kind of, you know, I do look up to her. Um, I've seen your dad written about as a perfectionist in terms mm. of professionally. Is that something that's rubbed up, rubbed off mm. on you? Yeah. Yeah. How does that manifest itself? Um, just um, quite strict with ourselves, most probably. And if I'm doing something like you, you've got it all prepared, typed <laughs> out there. I would have the same thing well, done. It's all in my head. What oh, are you darling, saying? Oh, darling, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's all off the cuff. No, but that is, you know, you are speaking to me and not really looking at it, but just knowing it's there mm -hmm. is preparation. Mm -hmm. And I'm all about the preparation. You know, Dad would prepare, 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 and then just let it go. And that's what I do. That's what makes me feel comfortable. I can't do something unless I've prepared. I think that, I, uh, you know... I think that's the only way you can ever... If you're not confident that you've got everything prepared, then I don't see how you can even know what... It's no. impossible to even ad-lib or think off the cuff because you're so anxious about what you haven't prepared. Exactly. Yeah. So that is ex that's exactly... You can relax and think, right, I've got what I need. Bring it on. You yeah. Know? So, yes, I am my dad's daughter in that way. And I, and, and I loved 
You know, it's like if you're going to cook a meal, cook it properly. My dad was an amazing... Well, my mum was an amazing cook, but my dad was an amazing cook as well. He he won against Gordon Ramsay four to one for his crab linguine. So uh, wait, wait, wait! Tell us all about that. Yeah, so it was a television program when you had to go up against Gordon Ramsay. Really? And uh, I need to do this And then this there out. was judges, uh, judges yeah. that would taste it and go, "That's a better one. That's a better." One. And my dad stormed it. Really? But he was an amazing cook. I mean, finesse and so it's how things look, and it's. It's like if you're going to have a glass of wine, have a nice one and have one. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If you're mm. going to make a beautiful dinner, you know, fresh, not too complicated. It just he taught us to love simplicity and care about it. I think that, and that and that counts to all sorts of parts of your life. So not only culinary, but also in terms of his comedy as well. You yeah. Know? Yeah, do, do it simple, make it relatable. People will yeah. love it. Yeah, don't yeah. Try, don't try and be too clever by half. No, no, no. The simplest is always the best, actually, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I'm just thinking back to some of his most famous, uh, their most famous sketches and his work, and that that counts for all of that. Yeah, and energy. Yeah. My God, the man had energy. Yeah. You know what, what was that show called? I need to watch that. I just want to see Gordon Ramsay get remember. taken a peg, taken down. If a you peg Google it, it will come out, won't it? I will Google. He's a charming man, you know, though. Uh, Mr. Ramsey, yeah. Oh, I don't doubt it. I yeah. do. I do not doubt it. It's like, all you need perso- for the camera, isn't you it? You need persona in a kitchen as much as you need persona. I could on, not. On a stage. Could you, I couldn't work in a kitchen. I'd be in tears in two seconds. Yeah. I do not like being told off. No. Oh, I'd hate it. Yeah. They shout, don't they? Uh, it seems to be quite bully, but almost like you have to. No. Ex- you have to accept that. That's just what it is. Couldn't do that. Um, I've seen you talk about the Corbett face. Which is when you're talking about, I think, from what I got, if if he was a bit yeah. angry or needed a to bit, tell you off. A bit, um, No. I'm intrigued for you to tell us a little bit more about the Corbett face, because certainly that's not something people would know about from his on-screen persona. No. Well, you would actually, because in Four Candles, it's the face he does at the end. Right. When he's like, are you joking me? Yeah. You know, and, oh, Yeah. Luckily, yeah, no, no. You know, you anyone would know they'd made a boo boo. They get the face. And I feel like there must be one particular occasion from when you were growing up where you did something that that meant you suffered at the hands of the Corbett face. Can you? Oh God, I don't know. Can you let on? No, too bad. No, no, no. He would just, you know what? He, he, my sister can do the Corbett face. My auntie Maggie could do the Corbett face. I cannot do the Corbett face. <laughs> it's just one of those faces which is when you're really pissed off. And and I didn't get it that much, actually. And I can't even think of when I've done, you know, but I'd see him do it to other people, right. which would make, because it's not, it wasn't funny. You know, don't mess with him. Yeah. You know. So, oh no, once I was getting it slightly off stage and this was horrendous. So he, he I've worked with dad quite a few times in pantos and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which was brilliant. And, and you were his dresser once for a week or so, weren't you, on something? I saw you talk about that. You did some work. On- no, though this is the time, so yes. Okay. Yeah. And it was a, a last scene in something where he was taking a photograph of someone on stage and the whole gag was he posed for the photograph, it wouldn't, didn't go flash, mm. and then he'd step forward and it would flash. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So all in he the timing. Keeps, keeps missing the flash. And yeah. this flash was a button. My mum's done this flash as well. We, we won't. The Never again. Because you press the button, yeah. nothing works. Right. So he's on stage and it's not working. And I do believe I might have got a Corbett face then. And I was standing in the wings going, 
I can't do anything about it. And in that, it's the button yeah. that's not working. It's, in that instance, it's the face that says you had one job. No, it was just like, yeah, you had one <laughs> job and you can't even do that. Oh. No, but yeah. So it was, you know, certain things that would, you know, wind dad up. He hated people carriers. Don't pick him up in a people, you know, things that they they go, no, 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 I'm not getting in that. You know, right. you might what, get what the call his, the face then. What was his particular dislike of people carriers? Well, you don't want to turn up in a people carrier, do you, and your dad? He thought they were clunky looking. Right. So not right about not right. about the. Perce- he was very classy, you know. He he liked right. certain things, and he was just like he also didn't like stand up comedians when they wore ripped jeans and t shirts, right? Just mm-hmm. <laughs> he wanted people to make an effort yeah. for certain stuff. That's what he was all about. Yeah, he'd say to me, "Don't sit down in what you're wearing on stage, and for God's sake, don't even dream of wearing it in the car." Yeah, on the way there, do you know what I mean? That was him. That was his. That feels quite generational. That feels like quite it a, was it coming quite from a different generation of and performers. he'd say to the he'd say to comedians that because he would he was the hugest support of up and coming talent. Hence, um, Rob Brydon and Harry Hill and David Williams all adored my dad because he'd be sitting at Edinburgh Festival watching them when they did their first show. Yeah, um, and support them, but he'd also say. Could you not find an iron yeah. <laughs> before the show? Because to him, he thought it was important. Yeah, you know. Um, so people carriers he didn't like. God, I know that if uh, if your dad had been watching me do stand up and the feedback he gave me at the end was, "Could you not get an iron?" I'd be so ecstatic that I'd think, "Oh, he didn't." Oh, he'd he... also tell you how brilliant you were first, and then yeah. he'd say, "Could you not find an iron?" No, but I mean, if that yeah. if that was the negative feedback, yes. then I'd be yes. absolutely yeah. uh, ecstatic. It's a good point about Rob Brydon because Rob Brydon is. You know, he's clearly your dad is clearly his hero. Like he he talks about your dad and has as I've seen him with yeah. your dad on stuff. He was um, really close to dad, and yeah. dad was really close to him. That's lovely. Yeah, it's really yeah. it's really great. The same with and um, Harry, Harry Hill. Yeah. Same, you know. It's so great when and comedians uh, and performers cross those generational divides, and and you get the love from. It's the same with what what happened with Bob Bunkhouse towards yeah the end before he died. Just so many younger comedians coming up the generation saying wow he was a genius whereas only you know with Bob Monkhouse he went through a lull of doing game shows and everyone was like oh he sold yeah. out but people realised by the end what a complete genius he was yeah so nice to and see that stand stuff. up he was very clever stand up too Amazing. you know um, some people's stand up doesn't come across so well on TV you know what I mean and then you see them mm-hmm. and you just can't breathe through laughing you know yeah. it's, it can cross over and it cannot sometimes um no, I think uh, I just think it's it. It just shows that when people are funny and geniuses, it doesn't matter what age they are. No, it doesn't matter what stuff they've done. It just matters and, that they've got the genes, you know. Yeah, it's the truth, and 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 it is about you know he was re- he was passionate about supporting young talent, and again, it, as you say, it kept you know he did some amazing sketches when he did the extra sketch. Oh, oh my gosh, it was so funny. And he came home to mum and said, they've asked, you know, Ricky's asked me to do a sketch <laughs> about being in a loo taking drugs. And mum went, well, you can't do that because um, you've never done anything like that. You know, dad's always been clean. Two runners were always clean. Mm. And then he, he said, Moira Stewart's my drug dealer. And mum said, <laughs> you've got to do it. You've got to do it. Can, it was funny. Can you remember the line? Because I think I think it's something along the lines of just a little bit of just a little bit just a little bit to blow away the cobwebs or something. Yeah, about something cocaine. like. I mean, he's so good at looking guilty. He was the best at looking like he was in trouble. Um, and it was so funny. And likewise, when he worked with Ben Elton, um, so he worked quite a lot with Ben Elton. Mm-hmm. On I think Ben Elton series, he did the chair. Or I can't remember something. And my mum and dad really started swearing. 
because okay. he swears yeah. a lot. Yeah, Ben does, yeah. Yes. So they come home and they were like, fuck this, fuck that. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not sure about this rubbing, this Ben Elton's rubbing off of your language, but I can remember it vividly. It was so funny. That's but, like the, a very strong, like, some, you know, when you spend time with people who have different accents, you start to yeah, pick up do. on their accent, but I've never known it where you just start swearing. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just kind of swore, rela- you know, in a relaxed manner. So they started doing it, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> um, we've asked a lot of our uh, guests about uh, their relationship and memories of growing up with the press intrusion, stuff mm. like that, and a lot of people having lies told in the press about their family or about mm. themselves directly. I just wondered I don't, what... Yeah, I don't really... I'm, I was always, always um, brought up... Good question, by the way. Thank you. I was always brought up to be cagey with the press. Mm-hmm. Don't answer anything. Um, luckily, Dad didn't really... He was so kind of liked and also led such a kind of crisp life in his personal life, thank mm. God. Um, so they didn't really have a lot to pick on him about or yeah. find out. Yeah. Um, but saying that, there has been a couple of times when I really wanted to go into the newspapers with a baseball bat because mm-hmm. they'd pick on my sister when she wasn't well. Right. Um, that, I mean, that's And that. Danny LaRue, they did a really awful... You know, when he lost all his fortune and he was my our godfather and... You know, there's certain real people and you think you're really going to print that. And and so it really didn't happen often, but when it does happen, it's very upsetting. um, Because what you said about your dad being, you know, clean cut, having Mm. a a life of which they couldn't really find much to, couldn't really dig and find much out about him. That kind of makes it especially... Surprising to me that they'd find out, uh, find and follow a story about your sister who has no desire to no. be in public eye and isn't in the public eye at no. all. That, that's even that seems even more appalling than most of the stories I've heard about. Yeah, and appalling. And she was at that time, and she's now learned to deal live with it. And but she was suffering with depression, and yeah, I really wanted to go and smash an office up. What stopped? Because I get very protective. <laughs> What, what like stopped, you would. I mean, what stopped you from actually maybe not smashing them up? But yeah, so you had that conversation. Yes. I mean, I've never smashed anything. I mean, you know, the biggest thing I've done is thrown an anthropology mug across the room. But I mean, I really was angry because they were hurting my sister, mm. who was already hurting. Yeah. Um, and my dad, and my dad, and Ronnie B. Actually, it was Ronnie B. Always said, "Do not rise." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Do not rise. The moment you rise, you're making it bigger because tomorrow it'll be fish and shit paper. Mm. And he used to say that, and so then Dad said that, and then I sat there and went, okay. And I, you know, I speak, you know, all kind of wide and like a gangster. I'm sure I wouldn't have gone in with a baseball bat, but I was really cross because it was all yeah crap. And if you rise to it, it gives them permission well, to it keep do- writing. Well, as it well. does, doesn't it? So you're always best. It might really hurt is to go, you know, that's awful. Light a fire and put the newspaper on it. Um, and you mentioned Ronnie Barker there, so. Uh, Mm. What was your what was your relationship with him going on? How much was he around the family home and you know? Oh, a lot. I mean, not so much in the family home because um, he lived the other side of London, so he was more Chipping Norton and we were more Addington near Croydon. So you couldn't have more opposite. Right. But was um, that on purpose? Do you think? No, not on purpose. <laughs> I think that's just where they grew up and where they landed. Yeah. Um, they kind of when I was born, it, mum and dad lived in Crystal Palace, so. But they were south and he was always north. Um, they adored each other. 
you know, they were like brothers. So personally and professionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rare in double acts, I think. So rare. Yeah. Again, so lucky. Yeah, they really did. They, um, they did. So, so he was like, um, yeah, an uncle. You know, it was like growing up with Uncle with Ronnie B. You know, we all went to Australia together. We'd see a lot when they were filming and when Two Ronnies was filming because it would be like six, seven months doing that and then the rest of the year was off where Dad would do stand-up and Ronnie B would do whatever he was doing, mm-hmm. whether it was porridge or something like that. So they'd be really intensely together for seven months and then they'd clear off. And then if Dad was doing anything else, he'd always ping Ronnie B the script to have a look at because Ronnie B was just the most amazing. amazing. And he'd say, what do you think? And he'd say, well, maybe change that line up. That could be a bit funnier doing that way around. So he'd always show Ronnie B a script. That's, um, oh God, that's so cool because also, you know, firstly it shows ultimate trust, but secondly it shows that there's no kind of what, what I see in a lot of double acts, you know, from the last 10, 15, 20 years is they get to a point, they've done something incredibly successful together and then they get to a point where like, well, I want to prove that I can do something amazing without this person <laughs> and I'm not just I'm not just great because of this person yeah. as well. Mm. And they go off and they do something that is often not no. very good. No. And then they're striving to prove over and over and over until eventually, I think... They either they end up getting back together and proving that actually that teamwork was yeah. what made them so good. But there was none of that even no. when they did their own projects. No. They were helping each other too. That's so great. Yeah, they were. And they only they only ever had nearly one row in twenty five years, and that was because of This Is Your Life. Okay. Because they were going to do it on my dad. And dad did not think it was very funny. The the where when Amy when Eamon Andrews was going to walk in. Right. And he was saying to Ronnie Barker, Well, this isn't funny. And, and Ronnie Barker was going, well, I think it is funny because he knew. But that I was going to say, surely your dad's not supposed to know what happens at the beginning of This Is Your Life. Well, he didn't to be a know surprise. it was This Is Your Life. It was a sketch all around, a joke about This Is Your Life. I and see. Dad was like, that's not funny. And Ronnie B knew it was actually because Eamon Andrews was going to walk in and say to Dad, This Is Your Life. And so they nearly, and Ma, he came home to Mum and said, well, I, I don't know what Ronnie B is talking about. It's not funny. And Mum said, well, maybe this time, darling, just let it go. She's having to play the game Yeah, as she's well. trying to go, calm down, look, you're lucky. It's normally brilliant. Just So he went, OK, I'll let it go. And then Eamon Andrews walked in and he went, you bastard. I <laughs> knew it wasn't funny, you know. But that <laughs> was the only time they ever had words. I mean, slightly that, but that shows how well they know each other that it's like it was almost it was so uncomfortable to your dad that Ronnie B would ever allow something no, to happen no he was it, like what it, is it going on must have been on? something on and they, yeah. they, they luckily you know and you do meet people like that don't you they, they sung from the same song sheet so they agreed on everything mm. and they knew that their talents were different but together they were brilliant yeah and then doing their own thing they were brilliant yeah and they never you know, they never, they kind of, you know, and my dad was a great, they were both very cool individuals. It was like the time Ronnie Barker said to dad, you know, he took him to side and said, you know, my heart's not great. This is it. Mm. This will be the last time I do this. Mm. And he said it to my dad nine months or I think a year or nine months before he told anybody else. So he wanted my dad to have that and time to go, okay. And dad just went, okay, you know, he he was a he he handled he was the chicest man, you know. Even to the day <clears throat> when he got poorly, he he ex, his his um he was accepting of anything that was thrown at him. So his acceptance, he didn't know that argue stuff. He just kind of swallow it down. You know what I mean? He'd just go okay, mm. <clears throat> and and um 
he did that when you know it might some people they might find that very difficult with your partner you know but Ronnie B's health was failing and they said you're either going to have to you know you have you have to take a step back and not give 100% well you can't do this business and not be 100% in can you but dad was also an incredibly accepting individual yeah, I mean, it sounds like he he took that information in exactly the way he knew that Ronnie yeah. would want him to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So that's incredibly respectful as well. Yeah. Because also a lot of people, when they find out, you, you know, they find out other people's very personal business can take it in a selfish way and, yeah. and, and make it all about them. Yeah, and he never did. Amazing. No, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he was quite amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. You've touched upon uh, how your dad died and motor neuron disease. And uh, from yeah. what I've seen a little bit, it seems to me like you want to use what you've learned from that to try and help other people. Yeah. Um, just wanted if, to give you a forum in case you, yeah. you want to talk about to, to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. <clears throat> I really want to do a night, actually. I want, I want to try and do a night at the Palladium called Stand Up to Motor Neurons. Um, wow. Well, that was a huge lesson watching someone you adore be so poorly mm. um, for so many different reasons. Um, but again, yeah, well, it just shows you that we're really not in control of anything, are we? And that's frightening, can be frightening. Um, but again, he was so accepting. I, I was with him. I, I, we all, you know, it was horrendous and, it, and horrendous to watch and, and horrendous for him. But he never rowed it. And and I, I remember sitting in the bathroom with him a week before we lost him and um, just saying, you're still teaching me. You are the chicest human being I will ever know because you're sitting there and you're having a nightmare and you're just accepting. And actually, that's a great lesson to everybody, you know. And motor neurons is, I mean, losing anybody is really tough. It was really tough. Um, but we we were really blessed, and we are really blessed that we were all really close, and we were all there, and we were all we did took turns in doing night shifts, and um, you know it was it was terrible, and it was terrible for him. But um, we were at least able to show him how much we really cared. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know we could show him we loved him beyond, yeah. and he felt it, and we were all there, and uh, so yeah. I mean, that sounds like, the, to me, based on what you've told me about him, the, the natural response that he would get from his family based on how he's brought you all up to be. Yes. And how important family and love and being there for each other yeah. when things aren't great. Yeah. Just as well as it is when they are great. Exactly. Exactly. It's an eye, yeah, it's, it, it made me grow up all over again, you know. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really hard losing someone you love. Mm. It is really hard. And we're all going to have to go through it. Yeah. Um, but as somebody said to me, grief is the price you pay for love. And, and I think that really helps. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to help you get this stand up for Mojo yes. is going? I've run lots of gigs before. I can. Okay, what, what, we what, need to what, email. How, how I know. I need to speak to Lord, I, I need to speak to, uh, Lord Weber first, don't I? About the, I think that would be a good about, start. About I think he could the, probably help. Uh, yeah, about the um, venue. Because to me, it really makes sense. Mum goes to me, oh, Sophie, is it not a bit big? And I'm like, but we've got to go big. And also the Palladium is my dad. It has to be the Palladium. It does, course. doesn't it? Absolutely. And then it does. and then I have. But also, to go. That's, I, it's that's, the first time I've said it to a microphone. So I actually sat here and I thought, shall I say it? Well, and I think I because I think it would because I want to raise money for motor neurons because again people don't it's motor neuron actually. Mum always corrects me. I'm dyslexic right. and I say things wrong all the time. It's motor neuron. Um, 
because all you ever think of is Stephen Hawkins, isn't it? And you know what I mean? And that's all I thought of. Um, mm. um, but they were amazing and the, the NHS were amazing in their support. So I, I really would like to one-off earn a chunk of money to go and help people because dad actually was really late in life to get it. Some people get it in their 40s with children and Mm -hmm. family and and the support that comes in. So again, it would be really good to do. It would be great for, uh, I think... And cathartic. I I would find it cathartic. But, But also amazing for awareness. And I think naturally, like you said, the Palladium is forever linked with your dad mm. uh, and that's where the story is in terms of PR as well so you know because they want to hang they want to hang mm. things on things so you know it's it's organized by curated by his family yeah and it's at the venue and then what and then presumably we'd we'd get your Rob Brydens we'd get your Harry Hills Hopefully. to perform they'd help push it and get other people yeah. on so the fact that you you know you may not have said it to a microphone before but the fact that you've said it here just makes it i think Often round the corner from the Palladium, and we're round the corner. But often it's it, things uh, they yeah. take one step to get the ball rolling. So yeah. even if this is a tiny little step towards yeah. getting that ball rolling, then uh, I think it's a fantastic idea, and you should yeah. absolutely, absolutely do it. Do it. Um, we always ask everyone um, whether you think uh, whether you think your father's fame has affected your personal relationships in any way, whether. Um, your experience of growing up around that lifestyle, I guess. Uh, although the fact that your dad was pretty clean cut probably meant there wasn't a great deal of that lifestyle yeah. to see. But whether you think fame has affected your personal relationships in any way? Oh, you'd have to ask my personal personal relationships <laughs> that. Um, my, most probably, I um, well, they've got a lot. Of people, the men in my life have got a lot to live up to, haven't they? Yeah. Um, most probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sounds to me that's more in terms of his um, brilliance personally as a man, rather than rather than anything professional that could yeah. that could be. I mean, I want. I wonder if to the men in your life, the fact that your dad was Ronnie Corbett's pretty intimidating. Yeah, maybe. In terms of how could I ever be as successful as her dad, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Men are pretty pathetically basic like that. I'm yeah, afraid. well, they have to they have to get over that, won't they? Well. <laughs> <laughs> do they do they <laughs> no idea I'll ask I'll ask um, I don't really know that answer to be honest mm-hmm. I, I you know um, yeah most you know it most probably is quite intimidating well, people do find it difficult don't they living up to somebody who's succeeded really well in anything mm. um, but that's just life deal with it deal with it yeah um, what is the most unusual thing that you think's ever happened to you as a result of being Ronnie Corbett's daughter? Can you think of anything? Oh my gosh, see, now I wish you told me if you got questions beforehand because then I could have thought. I know, but I think I kind of prefer it because unusual this way, this way, the, this way, the first thing that comes to the top of your head feels more real than than going through a yeah. a file of facts or a, a rolodex is what I'm trying to say of of, of thoughts that you've thought over yeah. for a week. Yeah, unusual. Um, yeah, let me try and have a think of of uh, things people have said in this instance. Um, I think I got kissed by a sea lion. Right there, you go. I don't think Dad got kissed by a killer whale. Talk us through this, oh, please. Oh my! I but was... wait, hold on. This can't is the, the sea lion didn't know your dad was Ronnie Corbett. I'm assuming. No, but the people that owned the Sea Life Park, which I don't think is there anymore, rightfully so. Yeah, right. But this was yeah. like back in the day when we were traveling to Australia, and I was like nine, and they put Dad on the highest diving board and this killer whale 
circled the pool three times and then leapt into the air towards my dad, who on the third you know, diving board looked quite small compared yes. to the killer whale. And he had to lean... <laughs> and because he was running corporate. And because he was dad. And he had to lean forward. And this killer whale just came up and just went tiny on his lips and then back into the swimming pool. And then they didn't want us to feel left out. So out came these old sea lions with fishy, <laughs> fishy faces. And yeah. we had to kiss them. That's off the top of my head, the surrealest thing I can think of. That is quite surreal. I mean, I just want to add a layer. I doubt mm. it's true, but please tell me that the entire park was shut just so that you could go around it on your own. No, no, everyone was watching. That's hilarious. Yeah. That, no. Well, that is that is definitely a better story than if I told you that question in advance. You would have come up with something way more thought about, I think, yeah, than no, having like, been kissed I, by a sea lion. On my way home, I'll think of something and go, damn. Um, but, yeah. So we always end on the same question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know the answer. I feel I feel confident. But uh, if you could live your life all over again, but without having had a famous father, would you swap? Not in a million years, Barnaby. Yeah, I felt pretty confident about that no. as well. Um, it's been a really lovely chat. Thank you so much Aww. for coming in. Um, please use this opportunity to plug everything you want. So talk a bit more about your shop or uh, your YouTube channel and uh, yeah. give give people the opportunity to follow you wherever they can. Yeah, that, thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, YouTube channel called So Talk. Mm-hmm. I'm Sophie Corbett and my channel's called So Talk. My shop is Four Candle Shop. We're on tour, so we'll be popping up all over the place. So we do have an Instagram, okay. Four Candle Shop, and a website. Um, so do come and join us and support us. We've got some really nice gear. Um, but so talk, yeah. If you've got, any, if anyone's struggling with anything, message me on so talk, and I will get back to you. Yeah, and you talk to your you talk to your friends about those important topics, like you said, the menopause, anxiety. Yeah, but so friends talk- and then specialists. Okay, and then people that want to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll, I'll I'll talk about a subject, and then I'll bring people in that kind of know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So we might be able to answer some of the questions. So I speak to people who are having it and feeling it, um, and then I'll get people in to talk that um, either nurses or doctors or, you know, that actually do it and try and find some answers. You know, I just think it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, guys. Make sure you press the subscribe button to the Almost Famous podcast and drop us a comment and uh, tune in for the next episode. Thanks so much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.